Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Student Psychology Journal with your host, JY. Today's episode is going to be on parental style and attachment style. We're going to see how our, the relationship between us and our parents affects us in the future with our future relationships. Today, we have a special guest. Say hi. Hello. Give me a quick introduction. What's your name? Like, What do you study? Everything. Um, my name's Jana. I am currently studying kinesiology. And I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so we're going to dig deeper into your relationship with your parents. But first, we have to define parenting style and how it's categorized. There's this psychologist, Bromid, who broke down parenting into two primary dimensions, responsiveness and demandingness. Responsiveness being the degree of warmth, support, and acceptance versus parental rejection and unresponsiveness. And then the second, second dimension, which is demandingness, the degree to which a parent is controlling and demanding if they have high expectations of you or not. So for our first question, do you think your parents are high or low on responsiveness? So the degree of warmth that they show you and demandingness, so the expectations that they have on you. Like on the responsiveness side, like it's very split up into like my parents because I think my dad is very high on responsiveness and my mom is too, but I think she's more on the demandingness kind of of like she expects a lot from me, but like... I don't know if it would go fully into like that intense like demanding mm. yeah okay so yeah both of these are on a dimension so you're saying that your mom is lower on responsiveness and higher on demandingness and your dad is higher on responsiveness mm-hmm. and d- lesser on demandingness correct yeah okay perfect so now we're gonna categorize your parent into parenting style as well so for Brahmid typology, the first type is authoritative, where the parent is really focused on their child, they have high expectations, and they focus on the child's emotional regulation. They help the children work through their emotions and regulate their emotions. So this is the ideal parenting style in Western society. It tends to be associated with perceived parental wa- warmth and acceptance autonomy, self-reliance, and better school achievement. But this is just in Western ideals, so it's not the same with other cultures. Can you give a little background of your culture? So I'm Filipino, and like, I think, well, I came here with my parents. Like, they expect a lot more from me, just being like the whole, oh, we came here to give you a better future kind of thing. So I feel like that's where it's coming from plus also i think i mean i can't speak for everyone but i think in general sometimes like asian culture and like just children of immigrants like their parents just expect a lot more from them for me as well i'm korean canadian and my parents came here solely for a better education and better future and for me to be able to learn english because that's so important apparently and then the second type is authoritarian Um, authoritarian parenting style they have high demands strict rules little open dialogue and less attention paid to the well-being of the child they just basically have super high expectations and and they're low on responsiveness third style is permissive parenting style so permissive parents have few rules limits and controls 
they basically spoil the child often and everything's about how the child feels and they're not really putting much demands on the on their children so they're just very kind accepting warm and don't have very high expectations of the child then the last type is rejecting neglecting parents so these parents are disengaged they're not supportive there's no limits or monitoring these parents are focused on their own needs So they neglect their children, they're not responsive, and they do not have high demands for their child. So according to this, you said that your mom is low on responsiveness but high on demandedness, which uh, would indicate that it's an authoritarian parenting style. And then your dad is high on responsiveness but low on demandingness, which means that your dad has a permissive parenting style. So in combination, maybe it's authoritative. There's warmth and there's demand. It gets a little bit more complex if your parents have two different parenting styles. So the effect of parenting styles on um, children is not culturally consistent. So so children of different cultures have different outcomes from each, each parenting style. So the first one, authoritarian parenting styles, the parents who are super strict and not very responsive, They instill fear in European-American children. They train assertiveness among African-American children. And it's associated with bad academics for European-American children, but not for other ethnic minority children. So it seems to have a negative impact on European-American children, but not other cultured children. Next is authoritative parenting styles. So... This is when they're responsive and they have high demands. And this results in good academics for European European American children. But there's no such relation for other ethnic minority children. So, okay. And obviously, there's further complications when measuring effects of parenting styles. So, parents with different parenting styles, which is known as mixed parenting styles. And also, same-sex parents. I had this conversation with one of my friends on like having like the same sex parenting styles because like obviously I feel like that mother motherly authority and like a fatherly authority so it's like I I don't know like I'm asking you maybe if you like if you research it but it's like would that affect do you think a child if they're like let's say both race with two mothers or like both ways with like two fathers if it's like let's say a son who's raised with two mothers and a daughter who's raised with two fathers like how does that affect them i think there's definitely a difference because there are clear differences between male and female Mm -hmm. uh so having two mothers instead of one mother and one father would definitely have a big impact or having two fathers instead of a mother and a father but it also really depends on the parenting style of each parent so I, I wouldn't be able to know and I think it's very person to person difference and family to family. Mm-hmm. So I can't I don't know. And I don't have same sex yeah. parents. So I wouldn't know from my personal experience either. But for example, uh Hispanic fathers are often less responsive than Hispanic mothers, and Chinese fathers are often less responsive and more strict than Chinese mothers. But there's been some reversals in social patterns over time where the fathers are actually more responsive than the mothers. So now the mothers are more strict, which I think I can relate to. I feel yeah. like, I feel like mothers these days, or 
the mothers that I've seen around me from my friends and my family are more strict than the fathers. Yeah. And that's what you said for your parents as well. Yeah. I think also just based on, like, my parents' personalities. Like, my dad's more, like, a quiet, kind of timid guy. Like, an introvert. And my mom's more, like, very bubbly, extroverted. So I think, in a way, I guess that makes sense as to, like, he's more of that warm kind of guy towards me. And then my mom's, like, more strict and, like, kind of giving that assertiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... So you definitely have different parenting styles from each parent. Do you think there's a difference between western kids and their parents and asian kids and their parents or all other culture kids and their parents i feel like definitely um i don't know but i mean i think in a way just because different cultures allow different things and like obviously our parents like both our parents are asian and like they kind of grew up on like that Asian culture and their grandparents raised them by that and I think like in a way Asian culture is very like strict Mm -hmm. and like especially like our grandparents and stuff versus like western culture even like talking to some of my like friends they're very like which is a good thing actually they're like the way they deal with like conflict is more warm Mm -hmm. and i think it could go either way of like some kids will like take that and just kind of i think there's both like benefits and Mm -hmm. cons to it but yeah i can definitely see a clear difference among like friends like my white friends will have such open like very i guess you'd say progressive or Mm -hmm. liberal parenting style and then the asian parents are often more strict and kind of traditional because i think also just like our culture is very conservative Mm. compared to like western culture Mm -hmm. but obviously there's like it's not every parent like my mom is very liberal nowadays she's very open-minded and i think she used to be a little bit more strict but then after raising us in a more western society and seeing the kids i think she's opened up a lot Mm -hmm. more so it's, I guess it's different. It's not everybody, but there's a clear pattern. So taking into the parenting typology, a lot of people might say that Asian parents are authoritarian, which means they're less responsive and more demanding. But there's also a difference in expression of warmth from different cultures. It says that Western culture, uh, the ideal expression of warmth is explicit communication of warmth, saying I love you. And then uh, other ethnic minorities have more implicit communications of warmth. There's less physical contact, fewer emotional discussions and dialogue, but you just know that your parents love you. Like, for example, they'll cut you fruit and bring it to you. They'll uh, clean some part of, like, they'll do the dishes for you. They'll do your laundry, bring it to you. They speak more with actions and less with words. And I feel like a lot of uh, ethnic minority children could relate to that. Do you have any examples of your parents doing that? I think I have a perfect example. So, like, the other day, my mom and I had, like, a minor, like, argument. And so, we, it's weird because we, like, talked about it after, but there was never, like, you said, like, 
oh like this happened like i'm so sorry like we should have done this blah blah blah. but like afterwards i got into the car and my mom just gave me like a snack and she was like here you go anak which is like deer or whatever and she was like and she just gave me a bunch of snacks and then we got home and she like literally cut me some fruits and like brought it to like my bedroom and i was like oh okay and i feel like in another culture that would have been like oh but you never like said we never said sorry to each other <laughs> but it was just like no this is this is her way. her way of being like i apologize here you go have some fruit <laughs> i think we accept that yeah. about our parents and we understand that that's their form of warmth and apology some would think oh you don't really feel anything from that but i think growing up with that you're like this is so kind and you do feel the warmth and like the genuine like love from like a simple thing like that and i think it's also a form of love language Mm -hmm. so there are maybe your parents form of love language is more um their love language is acts of service instead of words of affirmation okay so in non-western parenting styles there was this example this is a very extreme example so do you know the definition of tiger mom oh yeah i was gonna ask i was gonna ask you or like bring it up with you about that but yeah okay so we're gonna go into what a tiger mom is wait i have a question yeah so is like the the definition of a tiger mom i mean or like a tiger mom is that just based on like asian culture or like other cultures as well well the term tiger mom comes from this book by amy chow she's i believe she's chinese yeah and she's an asian mom she's a very very strict parent and she wrote this book called the battle hymn of the tiger mom and that's that that's where the term tiger mom comes from and she got a lot of backlash because when the book came out a lot of western parents or other parents were very mad and saying this was child abuse this is like this is terrible and um i'll give you an example of what happened so she has two daughters lulu and sophia she would basically motivate her kids by threatening to take away any possessions celebrations etc so for example she threatened to donate her daughter's dollhouse piece by piece to the salvation army if the daughter did not perfect a piano song by the end of the next day i'm like laughing but it's also like knowing friends and like myself i feel like i'm like i don't know if my mom's gone to that extreme but it's like it's in that realm of like you know what if you don't do this they'll like scare you in some way Mm -hmm. for you to do something and i think most moms don't mean it when they threaten Mm -hmm. you um but i think this mom she actually did when the daughter would talk back or give a little bit of sass she would threaten to take away dinner lunch christmas presents and um birthdays uh they were criticized with insults if they disobey and there was no breaks between practices so it was very intense Uh, so they got a lot of heat in the media on the other side of the story on the daughter's side so the daughter also spoke to this um the heat in the media they're both both of the daughters are very successful and talented one of them graduated law in law school from yale and one of them is a law prof at harvard okay so both of them are very successful they they made it basically uh when talking to her daughters her daughters do not antagonize her or criticize their mom for 
her parenting style. One of the daughters, Sophia, actually talked about some of the incidents and explains that it wasn't as bad as it sounds out of context. So she said, um, if I died tomorrow, I would die feeling like I've lived my whole life at 110%. And for that, tiger mom, thank you. Okay. So she was thankful for her mm. mom for doing that for her. So I'm sure her mom showed her warmth in other yeah. ways for her to say that. Because if it was all just yeah, abuse, yeah, yeah. it would have not ended that way. And also her daughters are successful. So yeah. it's very, you know, yeah. like... It's kind of hard. It's hard to say, like, obviously that's like tiger moms, I think, are very extreme. But at the same time, it's hard to say, like, their parenting styles are bad mm-hmm. or their parents parenting styles are good because it's like in some account the child will grow up and have like grow up with trauma (laughs) or it's just like in their case you know what maybe they do have trauma but at the same time like they're living life with so much success Mm -hmm. so it's like uh yeah like it's kind of it's good because the outcome was mm -hmm. good but then the process doesn't seem very good like it it kind of seems like she's taking away their childhood uh many asians felt like it was their reality and Mm -hmm. they're like oh i could relate to this my mom's like this or oh yeah i've lived through this or i treat my daughters like this or Mm -hmm. sons like this so um definitely got a lot of heat in the press but it's subsided now and i think society has kind of accepted that there's different parenting styles many chinese parents use authoritarian parenting style but that's not exactly true. Like I talked about before, um, their expression of warmth is warmth is different. So it's not that they don't care about the child's well-being, which is assumed for authoritarian parenting style. Zhao Zun, I don't know if I pronounced that right, is a parenting style or idea. It's a, compo- a component that focuses on training the children to be good members of society at a significant cost to the parents. So things like time, sleep, financial resources, social resources, the parents are just pouring their life out onto this child so that they can be successful and people feel that this is the authoritarian parenting style because it's very uh, high on demands and expectations of the child but they're also showing that they care about their child's well-being and their future success so their expression of warmth isn't as explicit so now we're going to go on to attachment theory so the relationship between you and your parents actually has impacts on your future dating life so there's four primary attachment styles between the caregiver and the child this the first one is secure so the caregiver is responsive and consistent and the child feels worthy loved and confident this is about 50 to 55 to 60 percent of children and their caregiver the second is avoidant so the caregiver is distant and consistently unresponsive And the child then desires intimacy but fears expressing this desire because they're afraid of being rejected. And this is about 20% of children. And then the third is anxious ambivalent. So the caregiver is unpredictable and inconsistent with their responsiveness to the child. So the child feels anxious and has disorganized desires and they simultaneously want care from their parents but do not know when because they're unsure whether they'll be comforted or punished by their caregiver. And this is about 15 to 20% of um, caregiver and child relationship. And then the last one is disorganized attachment style. When the caregiver is abusive, unpredictable, and volatile, and the child is unstable and is 
fluctuating self-concept. So these children have difficulty in social relations when they're growing up. So this is about 5% and it leads to the worst outcomes since the caregiver's abusive, unpredictable, and volatile. So child is very unstable. This is not just on parental behavior. Some children are born with genetic predispositions that leads to um, higher risk of one of these attachment styles. So it's really the er interaction between the child and the caregiver that leads to these attachment styles instead of just the parent. Mm -hmm. So based on what I said, which one do you think uh, you resonate with most? I think for me, my relationship with my parents, it's... I would say more on the anxious, ambivalent side. Mm -hmm. Just, like, I think now, like, I've gotten closer to my parents, especially my mom, that it's going towards, like, secure. But it's still, it's mostly on the anxious side of it with, like, an example would be, like, the same thing as you said earlier of, like, coming to your parent with like let's say good news or bad news or like you want advice and not knowing whether you're gonna get advice or a lecture Mm. or like punishment Mm. so it's like i'd say it's i definitely relate to that one okay okay thank you for being honest there so now now that we've identified your attachment style with your parent we're gonna see how this affects your adulthood all right so patterns of mother-child relationship or mother-child or I think father-child both um, attachments replicate in close adult relationships. So early childhood attachment predicts many of the behaviors that we observe in ourselves later because the children creates a working model of how attachment works. So they relate to this to their future relationships, whether that's friends or um, romantic relationships. And about 70 to 80% of attachment styles remain stable. So your relationship with your parents is really a strong predictor of how your relationships will be in the future. So, okay. So we're going to see how attachment style has an effect on when you're looking for love. So the question I have for you is, are you looking for love or are you in a relationship? Probably at I'll say okay so I'll just say ah uh, looking for love I guess but like not really so I'm I'm thinking she has like a love interest but yeah. she's not looking for love but maybe she is in that interest okay <laughs> anyway she's gonna be very coy about it so we're gonna move on <laughs> okay JY finds out Jana's freaking secrets I know the on the podcast <laughs> This, this one doesn't relate to you because you said your um, attachment style was more anxious, ambivalent. But for avoidant attachment style, so this is when the caregiver is distant and consistently unresponsive. So the child desires intimacy but fears expressing this because of fear of being rejected. And what happens is in avoidant attachment style, children are less likely to initiate interactions with the goal of a romantic relationship. They also expect relationships to fail. They go into it expecting Mm. it to fail. They may even self-handicap themselves and give a reason for why they shouldn't make a move or why they should end a relationship. And then for anxious, ambivalent children, these children have conflicting feelings. 
for a reminder, anxious and ambivalent children, uh, caregivers are unpredictable and inconsistent, and the child is anxious and has disorganized desires. They simultaneously want care from the parents, but they don't know what kind of reaction they'll get. So these children uh, strongly desire intimacy and initiate contact, but deeply fear rejection. <laughs> Whoa, you're literally reading my mind. <laughs> okay, well, now we know that Jana's deeply... Um, afraid of rejection but strongly desires intimacy so keep that in mind going into this this relationship or whatever you're going through um secure attachment styles is kind of what you want to have so again this is the attachment style where caregiver is responsive and consistent and the child feels worthy loved and confident so obviously this is what you want to have (laughs) but um, if that's not what you want maybe don't go into a relationship yeah yeah exactly exactly okay so when you are in a relationship attachment style also affects the chances of you staying together okay compared to securely attached style which is what you want to have as we just discussed uh avoided people have difficulty physically expressing love both casually and sexually so they tend to not work out the problems and they avoid them and ignore it until it's really bad and then that kind of leads to an explosion and, can, and to, could end the relationship. And then anxious, ambivalent people, they have more frequent conflicts with their partners and also fare worse psychologically after the conflict. What does that mean? So you may get into more mm-hmm. frequent conflicts with them, but then after the conflict, you're more, you're more stressed out by it, you're more down from it, and it leads to like, worse mental state but i feel like Jana's not the type of person to have a lot of frequent conflicts with partners i don't think i yeah i don't think i'm the type of person to go in like frequent frequent conflicts but i think also that depends on the person i'm dating (laughs) because i'm like i think if that other person brings in that energy i know that i will definitely also like get into that like kind of like fight mode of like i'm right you're wrong Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i also feel like if um you have a conflict with your partner and your partner is being aggressive about it you immediately have this defense that you like pull up and you you become defensive because they're being aggressive and that's a very natural response Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, is there an example of like maybe a previous relationship and how it ended so we can relate this <laughs> to the content? Honestly, actually, I'd say the last one relates or the first one, yeah, relates to this one just because. Okay, what happened? Tell us the tea. Okay, well. <laughs> I'd say the first one was just very toxic and like if you listen to the previous podcast with Megan Bob was very similar to this guy mm-hmm. and it was just like a very toxic situation which like the whole anxious ambivalent how you were saying that you would go into like more conf- like arguments and stuff I think that relationship really brought that out of me just because there was constant like of him not trusting me 
and it's just like the whole you're being aggressive so now i have to put up this defense mm-hmm. what about your recent one <laughs> um i'd say honestly that was a me problem mm. what was your problem it was like just the whole well i guess if you people don't know i am bisexual mm-hmm. and like it was pretty much my first relationship with a girl yeah and like she was very like she's out and like her parents know her friends know yeah and like i i like everyone knows i guess for me as well except my family Mm -hmm. and that was just like always brought up in conflict Mm -hmm. which ultimately kind of made a part of to why the relationship ended mm. maybe it's a part of you being like don't know what kind of reaction yeah it's get. definitely that because it's like my mom is very open and stuff and like a very close to her but at the same time it's like we have conversations about it and there's times where she's like accepting and there's times where she's like kind of says some interesting comments and i'm like oh i don't know like what you're gonna react to this now so it's like Mm. yeah yeah so then you wouldn't want to really open up because Mm -hmm. you don't know what kind of reaction you'll get but you do want to open up but then it's just like i don't don't know (laughs) you just don't know okay well thank you for sharing and getting deep into this um do you have any information on your current romantic endeavors i think right now i'm definitely in that the stage of like anxious ambivalent kind of scared to be confrontational Mm. and not know like what kind of reaction reaction i'm gonna get i think that this person is also the same way i'm trying to find the balance of like where we can meet in the middle of like hey you're anxious about like telling me something and i am too Mm. i think that that would definitely if ever create some tension in the future Mm, okay well i some advice i would give you is to just have an open honest conversation about what you're looking for in this relationship and just know that you're worthy loved and you're confident so you're secure you don't have to be afraid of the other person's uh, reaction because their reaction is on them that's their part of their story and your part of the story is how you feel. And you just have to be confident in expressing yourself. Okay. That's a good, I, I like that advice. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just giving the advice uh, on the basis of secure attachment style. Yeah. Yeah. But like, no, that's a good advice. Yeah. Be like, uh, I'm going to put her in the hot seat now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, that concludes today's episode on parental style and attachment style. And now Jana has been enlightened on what kind of attachment style she has and how this affects her current relationships or future relationships. Thank you all for listening and see you all next time. Bye. Bye.